Can you praise him right now? guests we welcome you we're delighted to have you today to everyone that's in this building we're delighted to have you today in the house of the Lord amen if you're thankful to be here would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise amen if you have your Bibles I want you to grab those rather quickly if you would be a little different than what normally happens on a scripture reading or reading scriptures. If you have your Bibles and you have a bookmark or you have really long fingers and you can hold them all together in there, I want you to do this. Some scriptures that we're going to go to today. I encourage you to get them. I encourage you to get them because I have a feeling that you may go back to them. Man, if you are an individual that calls Truth Church your home, I hope you go back to them. If you're a guest in the house today, I hope you go back to them. Amen. Speaking of our guests, can we give our guests a hand one more time? Many new faces. Many new faces in the house of the Lord today. This is not our text. These are just supporting scriptures that we're going to go to. Exodus 5 be going there today, we're going to Matthew 27 today, Matthew 27, we'll be reading many scriptures in Matthew 27, but just mark the chapter if you would, so you can run to those scriptures quickly, they will be on the screen, no doubt, Luke 12, we'll also be going to today, amen, and the most important one, in my opinion, is going to be Acts 24. Acts 24. Not just because it's Acts, but it's the story that we're going to look at and read today. Amen. Or a portion of it. Hello. Amen. In our text this morning, or today rather, is Luke 16. Luke 16. Luke 16. There is a victory report that I want to share with you. Received a message from Sister Sarah Hunter a moment ago. And she said that they are going home today. If you don't know who I'm talking about, Layla. Amen. Also, those of you that have seen through our TC Techs, um, Brother Wolseley, he has lost his wife, Sister Marla, yesterday, early afternoon. It was a horrible time there in the I see you 
as they took the breathing tube out and all those things and life began to slip away. And I know it's easy for one to say when it is not your loved one, but it is my loved one according to our, the word of God. And it does hurt. I did cry. My heart was broken because I was excited. I was excited about what God was going to do. Those of you that do not know them, they were pioneer, if you will, pillars of Sunday school. And uh, they had both set out to be a part of First Steps. I believe they had completed First Steps, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And their daughter, their daughter is, um, our, my daughter works through her school to do homeschooling. And so we have, we know her, that's our relationship there. They're our family connection there. But she let me know on some insight, give me a little insight on, on them and what they have done, what they've been doing, how he was a Sunday school teacher and all of these things. And so obviously, me being a pastor, I just kind of put some plugs in every now and then. And they took the steps. I talked with Brother Woolsey yesterday at the hospital. He made the statement, yeah, we just got that done. We were getting ready. And I was getting ready to have some veterans in our Sunday school ministry. Amen. But as I knelt beside him, beside the bed, I said, you know, comforting words, the only ones that I have are this, that God does all things well. It hurts. It's painful. In this life, we don't like it. But I can tell you this. There were family members, there were people there that I don't know if they know God and the power of the Holy Ghost or not. If you're known by fruits, then you, one would assume maybe not. But I know that she lived an overcoming life. She was a saint of the Most High God. And I know that at funerals, it brings everybody together. And it could be an opportunity to God for God to do what God is able to do, to soften the heart, to draw all men unto himself. I don't like that it takes tragedy or takes death and too fast for anyone and everyone. But, again, God does all things well. He told me yesterday before I left the hospital, he said, I'm going to be back. I'm going to get back there soon. Just give me a couple weeks maybe and I'm going to be back. So if you would... I want us to pray for him right now, to pray that God would give him strength. He's overwhelmed. He's tired physically and spiritually and mentally. But I want us to lift up Brother Woolsey right now. Lift him up in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you come to where he is? Go to where he is. Go to his home, Lord, there in Sherman. Would you wrap your loving arms around him? Right now, this morning, whatever he is doing, God, would you allow him to feel your love, feel your compassion, feel your peace that passeth all understanding. No doubt, Lord, there is a ginormous void in his heart. Lord, someone that he was with all the time, every day, that is planning to grow old with, oh Lord, is gone. But Lord, you are there. And I'm asking, Lord, with your loving hand, your loving arms, Lord, to reach down and touch him. Let him know, and Lord, let there be some type of understanding Lord, that you do all things well. 
God, I believe that you're touching him. I believe that you're hearing the prayers of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Would you minister right now in Jesus' name to Brother Woolsey and his family? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful for Layla getting to come home. Praise God. Luke 16. Luke 16. Lengthy bit of reading here. Luke 16, beginning at verse 19. I'm going to preface what I'm going to preach today. It is going to be a little heavy. But that's okay. I believe God has ordered it for this morning. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared. He was fared. Somebody say he was rich. Somebody say he had a lot of money. There was a lot going and fared. Anybody want to be fared? <laughs> Verse 20. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his source. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And he in hell and in hell he lifted up his eyes being torment in torment and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is in, he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. I want to read that one more time. I'm going to read that verse one more time. we got some more. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, can't happen. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. 
Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren in the name of Jesus, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. Do you hear the desperation in this scripture? But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. If somebody from the dead would go talk to them, if somebody would go frighten them, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither, listen, neither, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you don't feel that, maybe it's just me and I ate some bad pizza. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, Listen to these profound words. Neither will they be persuaded. Though one rose from the dead. You've said it. God, if you'll do this right here, if you'll do this one thing, I'll turn back to you. If you'll do this, if you, man, Jesus, if you'll do this, let go of your steering wheel. If you'll, if you'll take the steering wheel, I'll do this. If you can't hear the man of God preach into your life, you too, you too will find this place that we read about today. Wow. Let's lift our hands all across the building. In Jesus' name. Lord, truly my heart is overwhelmed right now. And Lord, I want this word that you have given me, put in my spirit, Lord, to speak to every individual. Lord, to every saint of God, to every guest, to every individual, Lord, that is maybe wayward. Now, this isn't a scare tactic. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to preach the word of the Lord. And Lord, my hope and my prayer is that, Lord, they would not hear my words but they would hear your words through these lips of clay. Lord, there's no, there's no bait and switch. Lord, I really want you to draw all men and ladies unto you right now. All gentlemen and ladies, Lord, I want them to be drawn to an altar today. In the name of Jesus, those that are listening online and watching online today, God, I want you to draw them to an altar, whether it be a coffee table, whether it be a closet, wherever it may be. And today, Lord, we're going to the waters of baptism. We're going to baptize a beautiful little girl that has been desiring and wanting to be baptized in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I pray that it's not the only one. I pray that somebody else wants to make things right with you. Lord, those that have neglected, those that have turned away, those that maybe do not care, oh, God, I am asking that you would draw them, cause them to come to a place says, Lord, i got to have you before there's a gulf fixed. i got to have you before I realize that there is a gulf fixed between us and you. 
in Jesus' name. We honor you and we praise your name. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord, all you people? You may be seated. I'm going to preach from this thought today. What does hell have to say? What does hell have to say? First question I want to ask you, and I hope it's a rhetorical question, really. You don't have to answer me if you don't want, but is hell, in fact, a real place? Is hell a real place? The answer is yes, hell is a real place, and I don't want to go there. Furthermore, I don't want anybody to go there. I don't want to ever, in all of my life and living for God, I don't want to ever arrive to a place that I say, I got it made. Because there is a hell. And Sister Judy, hell is real. And hell is alive. Did y'all know that? Hell is alive. It's got life. And hell is working. Hell is a place of death. But it's alive. And Sister Judy, hell is looking. And hell is longing and wanting and desiring. Hell is begging. Oh, just give in to me. Give in to my tactics. Give in to the spirit of the age that we heard about last month. Give in to everything. Give in to temptation. Give in to lust. Give in to what this world has to offer. Give in to the concept of, oh, I'm not going to do any of that stuff, but I'm just not going to acknowledge God. You are giving in to an alive hell. My effort this morning will be, just go ahead and tell you, my effort this morning, not to be a spoiler alert, by any means, but my effort will be that every person under the sound of my voice will know that hell is real. If you had just a nonchalant view of hell, my hope is that today you'll realize that there's no nonchalant view of hell. Now, for a moment, let us ask ourselves, since we asked ourselves about heaven or hell, let's ask ourselves about Heaven. Is heaven real? Does anybody want to go to heaven? I'm just going to be honest. Like, that was pretty lame. <laughs> Does anybody want to go to heaven? Praise, praise God, Pastor Darren. I want you know you know I do. Do I? I want to go to heaven. I'm going there. Come hell or high water. As my good friend Brother Houston says, hell, high water, rain, sleet, and snow. I'm gonna do whatever possible to go there. I'm gonna do whatever possible to make sure that my kids know that that's the only place that they need to go. 
this is the gulf fixed, if you will, between my wants and desires and longings for all of those things. I want you to, but it doesn't matter what I want. That's that space, that goal fix. That's I, Who cares what Pastor Darren wants? You've got to want to go to heaven. Don't be afraid of hell, but don't want to go to hell. Don't be, the Bible talks about one day when we see that little pipsqueak, as Bishop calls him my whole life, we see that little punk, we're going to look at him and say, seriously? That's what I gave into? That's what I said yes to? And so, don't be afraid of hell, but run full force away from hell. Everything to do with hell. If it looks like, if it smells like, if it acts like, if it sounds like, whatever, if it's, if it's got a little brush of hell on it, get away from it, run from it, and run towards heaven. The Bible. Get your Bible in your hand if you would. The Bible. This book. This book. Above and beyond all books. It's a river. It's, it's powerful. It's, it's rich. It's wonderful. It speaks of that place called heaven. It speaks of how powerful and wonderful it will be. But the Bible, as much as it talks about heaven, as much as it talks about how great it is going to be and how we should want to go there, and it gives us instruction about heaven, the same Bible, this same black book, burgundy book, white book, whatever it is in your hand today, the same book speaks It declares things about hell. It tells us how glorious heaven is. It, it speaks about how wonderful heaven is, but it also speaks about the woes and the pains and the misery of H-E-L-L. And it speaks to us a portion of those that rejected heaven. And they decided, it's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that you have a choice whether you're going to go to heaven or hell? Period. You make the choice. I make the choice. Brother Tex, correct me. I know you're a man of the word. Correct me if I'm wrong. I make a choice if I'm going to heaven or not. I make a choice if I'm going to hell or not. I make that choice. Now, God makes the ultimate decision. He either says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or he tells us to depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. But it is my choice every day to live Christ-like, to live holy. Listen to me. I'm going to mess with some people right now. You can't stick your toe 
in the muddy world. And when Jesus, according to his book, he's coming back for a church. He's coming back for individuals without spot or blemish. Well, you know, I got this one hang up. I said it a moment ago. If it looks like, tastes like, acts like, if it's, if it's got anything to do. Ain't nobody hearing this morning. I'm not preaching for a response. I promise you. Thank you for doing so. But listen to me. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the Bible, the Bible says this. If this right here, this thing right here, if it, this one, offends you. Anybody got a good cereal spoon? I'm talking your favorite cereal spoon. The Bible says if this offends you, get your good cereal spoon and pluck it out. Why? Because that one eye that is looking and longing and wanting and desiring and man that looks good and that looks fun and I, it'll send you to hell There is absolutely no way to adequately describe hell. Nothing on earth can compare to it. So I'm just going to be, I hope this hasn't happened to anyone. I know someone that it's happened to, but if you have been in a house fire and you burned and your flesh was melted and you had, you had, second and third and fourth degree burns and it hurt you so very bad and you were disfigured completely, it don't even touch what hell's going to be. We know of a young lady just after their marriage a couple years ago, a few years ago in Louisiana, she, her and her husband were in their home and apparently there was a gas leak and something happened and and. It completely and totally burned her from the top of her head to the very sole of her feet and skin grafts and pain and hurt and all of that. And I'm not diminishing what happened to this sweet young lady and her husband as well as he tried to save and help. But that gruesome story does not even compare. You look at pictures of them both. Beautiful couple, man, so sweet, apostolic, Holy Ghost field, serving in the kingdom of God, doing what God wanted them to do. And then tragedy struck. And no, it does not, that horror, that grossness, that breaking of the heart that happened there is nothing like, not even close, doesn't even scratch the surface 
toward hell and how terrible. Somebody say terrible. terrible. How terrible it is going to be. No nightmare, young kid, young man, young lady. Nothing that races across your mind as you sleep at night. Oh, man, oh, you wake yourself up sometimes. Oh. Some of you have done that before. You feel like you're falling off of a cliff. You feel like, I've woken up before when we first had Ameris. And man, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the adversary. But I just, I was asleep and I startled myself thinking. My brain was dreaming. And I, everybody dreams, but I don't remember it very often. But I, I was dreaming about her being in a store. And all of a sudden I turned around and she had vanished. And I woke up and I startled myself. Nothing can compare to hell. No murder scene. No murder scene. I, Bishop Gilbert told me when he was on the evangelistic field, he was following around, I believe it was with a chief or a, a, a I'm not, I'm not can't remember exactly, but someone that would show up on the scene before anyone else. And uh, he was there, and I believe it was in Houston, and he walked into a, an apartment, and there was this gruesome scene, and, and there was blood, and the person was groaning, and death, I believe, eventually came. But it was absolutely horrific, and I would do not, because of mixed company, talk about the thing that he talked about and told me about. But I'll tell you this, even as gruesome as that scene was, it ultimately ended in death. Does not even touch hell. The word hell is used so nonchalantly. I believe there's any children in here, babies in here, but you've heard of what the and they say it. It's hotter than. I'm going to beat you to. Nobody's going to recognize you because I hate you so. And you're nothing but blah, and on and on and on. And they use the word hell. Over and over again. Luke 16 and 23 again it says, and I, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being tormented. And we use hell like it's no big deal. It is one of their choice and most used. I heard someone in the plane yesterday, his, sister, his little Maris and I came back from Bogalusa Bible Conference right behind me. I heard someone as some, I guess it was the luggage. I didn't turn around and get into the system, what was going on, but I think a piece of luggage started to drop, and the words was, what the? And he said the word. How little does this society, unfortunately, how little does the body of Christ really know about hell? Hell is not some word that we use glibly and, and we talk about it like it's nonchalant, not a big thing, and it's it's not a it's not a tragedy, it's not a gross place, it's not a place that burns with fire and brimstone where the flame dieth not, and it's not something we can just use nonchalantly. Hell, sir, is real. 
Hell is something that hurts and has pain. Revelation calls it a lake of fire. Revelation 20 says it's a bottomless pit, a horrible tempest. It is a furnace of fire. It's a devouring fire. It is a prison, a place of torment, a place of everlasting punishment. Matthew 6. Oh, what the everlasting punishment? Do you know what you're saying? Do you know what's coming out of your mouth? Do you really use it so nonchalantly? A place where people pray. God, I need you. Where are you at? A place where they curse God in the same breath that they're praying. A place where they can never Hear me today, right now, sir, ma'am, that maybe your trajectory is toward hell. Place, Matthew 12 and 23 says, it's a place where they can never repent. A place of weeping, a place of sorrow, a place of darkness, a place where they have no rest, a place of blackness or darkness forever. A place where they're worm. I'm not talking about good old grub worm that you throw off into the pond to get you a big old catfish. I'm talking about flesh-eating worms. They don't die. And the fire is not quenched. Luke 16 says a place of fiery torment. Revelation 14 says a place where the lost drink the wine of the wrath of God. A place where no lost sinner will want his or her loved ones to come. I know we're not jumping and shouting and dancing this morning. But I feel that there's things that are going on under the surface that we better make sure that hell doesn't want to be our eternal home. A place. It's a place prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for you. And it wasn't prepared for me. Hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, if you want to go look it up. Place. There are dogs, scorners, whoremongers. A place where there are murderers and liars, fearful, abominable. Revelations 21 and Psalms 11. A storm of burning coals of fire. Hmm. This is not in my notes, but picture it. You, or maybe not you, but your loved one. The one that is bitter at you. The one that has hate towards you. I hope not. Maybe the one that you have hate towards or anger towards or bitterness towards. Can I just say that's not going to enter there? 
But picture it. Sister Jolanta, have you ever fallen before? Tripped and fell? Out of control or you don't even. I've fallen off of a ladder and I thought that I was agile and could catch myself and it was, but I was completely out of control. And I fell and I hit the ground. That feeling that we sometimes, I would, I would dare to say they didn't live to tell about it, but I would dare to say those that fell from the World Trade Center probably knew what falling completely and totally and helplessly out of control is probably like they, if they could have lived to tell us about it. Ladies and gentlemen, you probably watched it. I watched it on the TV. I watched it actually where the place where it happened when you go into the museum and they show it. And I tell you this, I wish that I could have had some clips of that today because that is what hell is going to be. The only difference is that there is not going to be a hard piece of concrete where everything ends and everything stops. Hell is a never-ending tumble. I'm not preaching to scare you. I'm just preaching truth. I don't want to scare you into heaven. I want you to be burdened into heaven. I've got to have heaven. I've got to have Jesus. I can't live for this world. That's what my hope is today. Because if I scare you into heaven, you'll be like so many that I can close my eyes and I can picture their faces through the years. They got scared into an altar. They got scared into prayer. They laid down prostrate on the ground and prayed, prayed, oh, God, forgive me of all my sins. And they ain't here anymore. No. My prayer is that you'll build a relationship so strong and so powerful when you when you have an inkling or a want to, you'll go to, no, I can't go into the world. I can't be around the world. I don't want to touch the world. I don't want to smell like the world. I don't want anything to do with the world because I don't want to burn in hell. Man, he's screaming and yelling. Yes, I am because hell's real. You can drive up and down. I'm not saying we're better than anybody. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. But I promise you that you can go to every church in this community right here. And they're not going to talk to you about hell's real. And you're going to burn there. And I'm going to burn there if we don't live for God. Oh, it's not that big a deal if we do this. It's not that big a deal if we partake in this. You know something? Let me just be transparent. I used to say the same stupid thing. I did. Not 20 years ago, not 15 years ago, but recently, in the past two and three and four years, I had to stop things in my home. Listen to me, sir and ma'am. It is a big deal what you let in your home. It is a big deal what you read and what you watch and what you hear. It is, and no, he called me stupid. No, it is stupid thinking to think that it doesn't. Praise God. Luke 19. No one need to go to hell, for Christ came to seek and to save the lost. 19 and 10 of Luke. It wasn't made for you. Honey, that's why I'm so glad. When I was a little bitty, bratty, punk of a kid that wanted to be in the youth group and whatever took you away from here, but now you came back, I'm glad you're sitting on that front pew and I'm glad you're here because you're realizing I gotta have Jesus. I gotta have Jesus. I don't want anything else. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we talked about it, uh, Sunday, or whatever it was, Friday night with some friends. 
what irritates me to no end. Can I just preach irritated for a moment? We were talking about the tail wagging the dog. And we are talking about we got to change some things sometimes. Not, we don't need to change doctrine. Doctrine doesn't need to be changed. Method needs to be changed sometimes. I feel it does. This is what we're talking about. Can I just get, jump into our conversation that we had on Friday afternoon at dinner? And man, my heart was overwhelmed. My buddy, Brother Travis, he said, well, that's letting the tail wag the dog. I said, no, I don't believe so. We had a good argument. I won. But anyway, he'll probably say something different. But no, we were talking. And he was like, well, I, I feel like that's the tail wagging the dog. We were talking about the attendance at the conference. It wasn't very big. What can we do to change it? What can we do to fix it? What can we do to give? What's the purpose of this conference? And we, we determined the purpose of this conference, the reason it was in, invented, the reason it even came. It's the oldest conference in the United Pentecostal Church. It was about doctrine. They used to have two weeks, ladies and gentlemen, check this out, two weeks of Bible doctrine teaching. And they would sleep in the basement of the church. And they would go to local homes and local ponds and places and they would bathe. And then they'd come back and they'd listen to teaching for two weeks. I know times are different. We used to do and it was morning, not, not just night. It was morning and night. That's what they did. It's not like that anymore. But we were making the statement because the crowds were very slim and small. Maybe it was back because we took a year off because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. But I said, man, we got to know what the, what the reason for the conference is. And I believe the conference is it's Bible doctrine. It's Bible teaching. He said the same thing. He said, we can't change that. I said, I ain't saying change that. I said, but well, we got to change the method. I said, take Truth Church, for example. When I was a kid, Sister Elise and I and others that are in here right now, you were a part of what we called Saturday night prayer meeting. Saturday night prayer meeting was red hot Holy Ghost field. really was. I don't recall, maybe just because I'm a, I'm a little older now and I don't have very good memory, but I don't recall any Saturday night that was just, maybe it happened when I wasn't there, maybe on vacation with my family, but Saturday night prayer meeting was red hot. It's going to get long, guys, because this ain't even in my notes. It just kind of came. Here we are. But Saturday night prayer meeting was powerful. It got so powerful at times that it left the cinder block fellowship hall. I can picture it in my mind right now. And it walked down the cinder block, block, cinder block hallway with classrooms on the right and one on the left. And you go into the four-year area and you'd walk into that sanctuary with two sets of pews. Beautiful, beautiful orange pews that we had. And if you scraped the top of them, you'd get it under your finger. And the power of God would begin to move in there. Sister Gilbert, get on the hammond, that hammond as a matter of fact. And it began to play. And the power of God would begin to move. It, it went from seven to eight or eight to nine. But it went from sometimes eight to nine to ten to eleven. Why? Because there was a hunger and a desire. I gotta go to heaven and I don't care what it takes. And so in our conversation, I said, you gotta understand me, my mind goes back to that and maybe I'm stuck in the past and maybe it'll never be that way again but I made up in my mind when I became pastor that I'm going to do whatever it takes this is before I was pastor we tried it, it didn't happen on Saturday night it was just a select few that came and yeah we'd touch God and it'd move and we'd conversate and we'd leave but it wasn't like when I was a baby so what did I do, I said you know something let's make it easy as we possibly can so we get to the church on a Monday night and man the first one was good, second was good it was Saturday 70 and 80 people here at times and it was great but then it began to die down again and I said so I had to do something and he said well isn't that the tail wagging the dog I, said, I didn't take a survey I went to prayer about it I said Lord what can we do I want them and this is the deal I said this was my, my effort Travis my, my heartbeat was 
If they're not here, they're never going to know about the power and the unction and the Holy Ghost that flows in this place on a Monday night because there's only a select few still. And I said, so I changed to something. It's kind of like what Jesus did, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not saying I'm Jesus, but it didn't work for a try. It didn't work for this and this and this. And finally, he had to be the ultimate sacrifice. So what I said, what we'll do is we'll sacrifice on Wednesday night because if we can get as many people here as possible, my hope is is when we touch the throne room of God and sometimes when tongues and interpretation of tongues comes in and people begin to worship without a song, they'll begin to feel the presence of God and they'll get addicted to what they're feeling. This prayer really works and then praying together is really awesome and I gotta have this if I wanna make heaven my home and so that is what we did. So I told him, I said, no, I wasn't feeling like it was the tail wagging the dog personally. I wasn't changing the unction and the power and, and the hope of getting deeper and, and rooted in Jesus Christ. But I wanted to try my best as a pastor to say, listen, we're going to have 24-hour prayer. We're going to have men's prayer. We focus our whole month around prayer. We talk about prayer and we have prayer more than we do anything else. We spend more time in prayer, or it's scheduled anyway, more time in prayer than we even do in this house for worship and for preaching. And so my point was this. I want people to know that God is real. I want people to know that heaven is real. And the only way to get to heaven is to make sure that he is your all and your all. To make sure he's the one that butters your bread. He is the one that is the great one of your life. Not him, not her, not them, not your family, not your job, not your 401k, but Jesus. And the only way to do that is to get on your knees and call on the name of Jesus. And when you feel him and when he moves in your spirit and when that crescendo of touch and power comes, and touches you you may get addicted to it and you may have to have it every last Wednesday of the month you may have to have it every men's prayer or women's prayer or you may say man I, I, you know what I gotta do I gotta add this to my life you see sir and ma'am there's some things you gotta get rid of because it's a slippery slope and if you wanna gamble go ahead and gamble but I'm gonna tell you something and it's the truth. It's not just Vegas that says it. The house always wins. And the house in this case is the adversary. If you want to gamble with the devil, he'll let you. Come on, keep on bringing it. That's it. Keep on doing it. Keep on watching that. Keep on listening to that. Keep on being around that. Keep on hanging out with him. Keep on doing it. That's fine. You do it. And then all of a sudden, you're going to fall. And you're going to wonder how in the world this happened. There are 264 chapters in the New Testament, 234 times, nearly one verse for every chapter in the New Testament. God says there is a place of eternal punishment. Hell's real. And life's road, if life, if life was a road 264 miles long, and had 234 signboards saying, this road leads to hell. I would go on another road. This is exactly the case with the Bible with regards of warning about hell. You know it's my job to preach. 
It's your job as a saint of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to disciple and tell people, hey, listen, this, is, this sign is telling us that we're going to hell. We need to go a different way. We, we don't need to listen. We don't need to listen to what the person's telling you to do and the individual saying it's, it's going to be all right and this isn't a big deal. No, no, you need to go to the book and let the book tell you if this is the right road or not. And if it's not the right road, then you need to go another road. It would do us to listen to some of the messages that are in the word of God. It would do us a, lot, a whole lot of good. One that I want us to listen to this morning about the rich man. The word he mentions two men on earth, and finally, two men in hell. One was very wealthy, had a whole lot of money, the other man who was very poor and a beggar. The one bathed in luxury, and it was wonderful and had a great time. The rich man dressed in purple and fine linen, the most expensive that could be worn. He feasted on all kinds of great things. His table was full of beautiful carved food. Every day. As a rule, even among the rich, feasts are observed at stated times. But of this man, it is said that he feasted continually. It was an everyday affair with him. It was not true that when one lives for the flesh, that it takes more. Is it not true that if one lives for the flesh, it takes more and more to safely get away from what the flesh wants you to do? It is a picture of man existing to satisfy himself. It is a picture of an individual that desires to take care of it all himself. For Christ also pleased not himself, Romans 15 and 3 says. We choose to please ourselves. We choose to do whatever we can to get what we can have. But the Bible tells us in Romans that for Christ also pleased not himself. He gave us an example, ladies and gentlemen, of how we should live our life on this earth. It's not to please ourselves. It's not for us to get the most we can get and the best that we can get. No, it is to live a life that pleases him and him alone. Lord, I don't want to please myself. Lord, I don't want to do what I want to do to make myself happy. But God, what I want to do is I want to make you happy. I want to put a smile on your face. I don't want to live in the lap of luxury. I don't want to have every single thing that I've ever wanted. And I don't have you. I want you and you 
alone. Oh, somebody lift your hands to him and say, I want you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands to him all across the building. I want you, Jesus. I got to have you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Would you pray that right now? Come on, your eyes closed, maybe your hand lifted. God, I got to have you. Come on, let tears run down your face right now. God, I've got to have you. I need you in my life. I need you in my spirit. I need you in my soul. Come on, would you pray it right now? Come on, you've tried day in, day out to please yourself. Stop pleasing yourself and start doing something to please God. That's it. That's it. Come on, lift your voice to him. Let's just take a moment. It's all right. Take a moment. Come on, apostolic ministry is coming in this place right now. God's about to use some of you in this altar in a little bit to pray for someone that they would be released from the bondage of sin and be released from the bondage of hell that has a grip on their toes and a grip on their ankles right now. Jesus' name. During Bible times, people did not make any provision for the poor. But they were taken to a place where they might obtain help. Thus frequently, they were carried to the gate or door of the rich. It is the picture of of a man in distress desiring to eat scraps of food from the table of a wealthy Lord that were meant for dogs. We could spend an entire Sunday morning preaching right there on that topic and we would for sure exhaust that subject. But I want us to look at something most important of the rich man and what he would be preaching from hell if he had the opportunity this morning. His first point may be hell is real. Probably if I were him and I were in that predicament, Brother Trevor, I would make sure first of all that they knew from the platform I was preaching from was a real place. Many today say hell is a state of mind. Others say that it is our conscience. Some feel that it's only imaginary. But this guy, I can assure you, that this morning he'd be screaming. Hell's real! Hell is real! You crazy bunch of people, hell is real! Why are you nonchalant? Why do you keep going there? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep acting that way? Why? Hell's real! He'd be screaming, hell's real. He'd say something like this. this. It is a place, verse 23. It is a place of fire, verse 24, we read. It is a place of memory, verse 25. 
is a place of regret. I'm telling you, hell is real. I regret. I regret it. I regret not doing what I should do. Probably the second point that he would make is listen, listen to me. I need you to listen to me because I need you to listen to me, saint of God. I need you to listen to me, wayward one. I need you to listen to me, prodigal. You need to hear me. You're, you're not, you don't want to come here because this reason and this reason alone, hell is eternal. I can't come to where you are. I'll never be able to get there. Hell is eternal. His final point would be, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And you need to hear what he would say right now. He'd say something like this. Please, please. Win your family. Please get them in the altar. Please, if they don't want to come to church, then make an altar at their home. Make an altar at your home. Do whatever to get them to an altar of repentance because if they don't repent, if they don't turn from their wicked ways, if they don't stop the madness, if they don't stop all the stuff they're doing, they're going to come to where I'm at. message that we could hear from today is from Pharaoh. Exodus 5 verse 1 it says this and afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh thus saith the Lord and that's what's happening today thus saith the word of the Lord thus saith the Lord God of Israel let my people go <laughs> that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. So let me just stop for a moment. When you don't heed to the words of God, you become like Pharaoh. Pharaoh made the statement, and I would, that no Christian, no saint of God, no Holy Ghost filled individual would ever let these words come across their mouth. And they don't have to come across your mouth, but every time an altar call is given, every time a message is preached and you nonchalantly listen, you are saying, who is the Lord that I should obey his command? Who do you think you are, Pastor Darren? I'm only a called man of God. I'm only doing what God has called me to do. I'm only delivering the word of the Lord that you may hear it. I can't make you hear it. I can't make you go to heaven. I can't make you love God. I can't make you fast and pray and seek his face. I can't make you come to 24-hour prayer. I can't make you come to men and women's prayer and come to church-wide prayer. I can't make you study to show yourself approved. I can't make you do anything. But every time that I declare that we should and we need to follow after Jesus Christ, and you don't and you turn your back and you walk away and don't care you are saying who is the Lord that I should obey his command it ain't me it is not me these verses reveal some things about Pharaoh he was a lost man he said I don't even know the Lord he was an individual that did not acknowledge or fear the Lord. He did not care what the Lord had to say. It wasn't until that great wall of water began to fall in on his army 
began to fall in on him that he realized, oh, this God is real. Inhale, Pharaoh, but have a mighty message to declare to each of you and myself included. The Lord is supreme. He is the giver of life and he is the taker of life. He is the worker of miracles. I can assure you, I knew and know that he did so. He is victorious in every contest. There is nothing that your God cannot win. He'd say, I realize that God is the righteous judge. And there's tons of other messages. But right now, I'm going to have someone read to you Matthew 27. Speaks of another message, another sermon that would be preached. Matthew 27, 19 through 25. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to get them. I encourage you to get them because I want you to read it. I want you to hear it. I want you to know what would be preached and why it would be preached. I know it's familiar scripture of many of us. But if you would right now, Brother Jonathan, would you read that with a loud voice? 19. 19 through 25. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon us and on our children. If Pilate was on a stage in hell. And with a loud voice, he could proclaim from hell. He would say, foolish rituals could never take the blood off of one's hands. You must repent and have the blood applied to your life to take guilt away. He would then go on to say, my love for popularity and for the position I held made me condemn the Lord. The choice is the Lord of the world. You cannot have both. He would tell you, you got to choose the Lord or you got to choose the world. He'd tell you, you better make a decision whether you're going to follow Jesus Christ or you're going to follow the world because you cannot dip your toe in the world and have your other toe with Jesus. He'd tell you, don't do what the world wants you to do. Every young person in this place, I want you to stand to your feet. You're a young person, stand up. Young people, listen to me. Look at me real close. You can't have both. 
Listen to me. You can't have both. Ladies, you can't have both. You can't partake of the world. Eat the world every single day. Live for the world every single day and think heaven's going to be your home. It is not. You can't dabble into anything that this world has to offer. Pastor Darren, is it really that big of a deal? It's a massive deal. Literally, the adversary wants to get a foothold on you. And if he can get a foothold on you, Brother Jordan, what he'll begin to do is pull you. And he don't, he don't, do, like, he don't do like a cheetah. Grab you and take, take off running with you. He pulls you like this. And before you know it, you're way over here gasping for air. How did I get here? How did it happen? You may be seated. Let me tell you how I know this. And you know, I feel like God orchestrates everything. But it was conversation this week that I had about minister friends of mine and ours. About how one particular man of God that I esteemed highly when I was in Bible college, I had the opportunity to have an audience with him many times when I traveled to Memphis. And I esteemed him highly in his preaching and delivering the word. But somewhere, he allowed a foothold. I'm not talking, listen, I'm no better than you. And how many times do I say that? You better have a relationship with Jesus and not me. You better have a relationship with Jesus and not the church. Listen to me. This man of God doing good and has repented and is doing well right now. But this man of God had a subtle foothold. This man preached at general conferences. This man preached powerful messages that literally to this day have changed my life. I don't diminish the word that he preached because that was God speaking through him. And we don't believe the Bible. If God will use a donkey, God will use a man. Amen? And he preached the word. And it changed my life. But there was a subtle pull. And all of a sudden, the hammer dropped. All of a sudden, it was realized that there was a subtle pull. And that subtle pull was now judged openly. Everybody knew it. And so, young person, I'm telling you, that's how the adversary does. He'll let you go. Go on. That's good. Keep on. Keep on watching what you're watching. Keep on doing stuff on your phone you shouldn't be doing on your phone. Daddy, keep on doing stuff on your phone that you shouldn't be doing on your phone. Hey, if your kids have a problem, it's because you've got a problem. Dad, listen up. Mom, listen up. If you're rebellious, if, I see every one of you looking down right now, and I wish that I did. I, my friend called me last night, and he said, Darren, you're going to have apostolic authority come over you, and this may be it. I have no clue. But I see you looking down as I say that, dad and mom. You don't even acknowledge God. Let me tell you something right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to speak this because I feel it in the Holy Ghost. 
Some of you don't acknowledge your husband, which is the head of your home, and that's the reason there's going to be issues with your children and with you. And I don't know when the time's going to come, but you're going to be following, you're going to be flocking all around, going crazy all around, down in the pit somewhere because you didn't listen to what your husband had to say as he told you, we got to do this and we can't do this and we need it. It's really not that big of a deal. I shouldn't do that. Shut your mouth, and I'm not being mean. That is an adversary speaking through you, and you need to say, you know something? I want to go to prayer with you, and we're going to pray about this, and I want to make sure that we make the decision together we are we need to be separated and we need to get out from the auspices of the adversary that is pouring things into our spirit and into our heart it's all right it's not well received and that's okay but i'm going to tell you something do you want your baby to be saved do you want your good-looking young man and your good-looking your good-looking little girl your beautiful little children to be saved then you better first of all First of all, if there's a head in your home, you need to listen to him. Now, if he's doing what he wants to do and he ain't living for God, that's one thing. But if you have a head in your home and he prays and seeks the face of God and he follows after Jesus Christ and he, he doesn't just make decisions, but he fasts and prays about him and he says, listen, we need to do this. You may not understand but you need to go to the floor and you need to say, Lord, help me understand what is being done, what is going on. I'm helping somebody right now if you want it. But again, you, I know you're trying to eat through a fire hose this morning. But let me tell you something. If you want the help, God's trying to give it right now. Those few words that I just spoke a moment ago, not in my notes, didn't plan to do it. But those few words that I just spoke just then, it's going to help your family if you want it to help your family. Luke 12, verse 16 through 21. Read it with a loud voice, please. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thou soul shall be required of Stop thee. Stop for a moment. Listen to the first part of verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool. Right. That's pretty strong language, is it not? So you've got a whole lot of money and a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of land and a whole lot of things and a whole lot, whole lot, whole lot, whole lot, whole lot, whole lot, whole lot. This is what Jesus said. But God said unto him, thou fool, continue. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. I'm going to hurry because I'm, I'm racing time right now. If this man could lift his voice and begin to declare anything from the belly of hell, this man would have volumes to tell you and me. First, the rich of this world and the riches of this world mean nothing after you're dead. 
You've heard it as well as I've had, maybe at a funeral, maybe in a message or someone said it. They said nobody's going to have a hearse pulled behind them as they go to heaven or as they go to hell. It's over. He'd tell us, I was a fool. I prepared my barns, but I did not prepare my soul. I prepared for times in this life, but I didn't prepare for eternity. Death came at the least expected time. The least expected time. The Bible said that something's going to happen this night. This is when it's going to take place. It's going to be over right now. So I'm telling you and I'm telling me as well that if we want to get right with Jesus, we don't have a better time to do it than right now. This is what hell is preaching to you and me. This is what hell is declaring to you and me. Don't worry about the riches of this world. Don't worry about your nine to five. Don't worry about all those things, though we need them. But the most important thing is your eternity. last, if you would, go to Acts 24. Brother Trevor, go ahead and get that for me as well. I'm almost done. Acts 24, two verses of scripture, 24 through 25. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was the Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Hmm. If Felix could declare anything from hell, what would he say? Huh. He'd say, Avail yourself. This is the opportunity. This is the time, sir, ma'am, dad. Can you close your eyes for a moment? I feel the spirit. I feel the spirit of opposition, and I don't even know what else to call it. I just feel that. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. I've declared some things. I've said some things today that have ruffled feathers, and I know it has. But I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus that you would not be mad at me. Don't let that cloud your judgment from coming to an altar here in a moment. I don't want maybe Darren Gilbert and maybe something I said that offended you. I want the Holy Ghost to move in your life and change you. Don't allow my efforts and my hope and my prayer and my desire and my unction to make you wayward from the altar today. I want you to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord today. Jesus' name. He'd say something like this for the Noe. He'd say, Hey, God's Spirit may never knock at your door again. God's Spirit may never pull at your heartstrings again. You need to hear 
the word of the Lord. You need to hearken unto the word of the Lord. You need to do what the word of the Lord is declaring you to do. There's a parallel these scriptures in the Bible and our lives. We come week in and week out and we sit at our faithful pew and we listen to a message and we think that we have time. Next month it'll be more convenient for me. I got a lot of things going on today. I got a lot of stuff happening and I'll call on the name of the Lord next month and I'll get what I need. Bible says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Jesus, as he always does, when that question is asked, when that question is stated, he cuts right through the mess and gets to the real problem. He says things like, forget about how many will be saved. What about you? Quit looking around and wondering who is Pastor Darren preaching to and say, what about me? I stated it at the beginning of my message. I don't ever want to feel like I, as a pastor, as a leader of my home, I don't want to ever feel like I have arrived. There is a door, ladies and gentlemen, that has been opened in this church today. There's a door that has been opened in this altar today. And we have the opportunity to be lost for eternity and to be damned to a devil's hell for eternity. Or we can act now and talk about it later and don't worry about what anybody else is doing. If you will, you know the old saying, there's something that needs to be mopped up, grab a mop. Something needs to be swept up, go get a broom. We have a choice to either pick up the mop or pick up the broom and act today to get things cleaned up in our life that need to be cleaned up. It's time that you believe in God's words and act upon them. Because once the door is closed, it's too late. It's like that. Maybe you've read it, maybe not. Young girl was given some dollars. You know, the story, it rings true in my home because it's happened on vacations or it's happened on going to Target or whatever. I've given money or in this case, this young lady was given money. And Brother Cooper, she had this money, and she walked into the department store. The story reads, and 
she's looking for everything. Man, she's looking at the toys and she's looking at the clothes. Man, everything's so wonderful. She races over here and looks at this stuff that's hanging on this rack. And she races over here and Sister Delisha, she looks at the stuff on this rack and she pulls some things off. Man, like, puts it back. She runs all over the place looking for everything. And she hears the words, in five minutes, the store will be closing. She keeps on running, looking around, and, man, I could get this, and I could get that, and, oh, man, I want this. And then she's looking at this one thing, and, oh, man, I really want to have this. I want to have this in my closet. I want to have this in my room. And she feels the tap on her shoulder. The story says, ma'am, it's time for you to go. We're closing the store. But I, okay, she walks out the door. She turns around and looks into the vast marketplace, if you will. Man, I really wanted that. She turns around and walks away. Why are you telling that story, Pastor Darren? Telling that story because there comes a time that it's not going to be a department store. It's going to be the door. The only door that really matters in this life. And you've said things like, oh, I'll do it next week. Or I'll come and I'll pray next week. And I'll, I'll prostrate my face before God. And I'll, I'll let my kids know that I'm really serious about living for God. I'll, I'll tell my kids, you've got to stop doing that. And you've got to stop doing it now. I'll do it another time. God puts smorgasbord after smorgasbord, department store, if you will, after department store, over and over again. And then all of a sudden, the door is closed. And you're holding the gift. You're holding the money. You're holding the things in your life that you wanted to give away so you could get something that was priceless. But the door is closed. You wanted to repent this week, but man, I'll just stuff it back in my pocket. I'll worry about it next week. The Bible says to buy the truth and sell it not. The Bible says to get that thing, that truth. And understand that it's not just here where is the Lord, our God is one Lord, and that's what you're buying. What you're buying, ladies and gentlemen, is a life separated from the world and sold out to God. It is a life that says, I want nothing but truth from God's word, and I want it to evolve in my spirit and evolve in my mind and shape in me and mold me, and I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to hold it close to my bosom, and I'm going to have it forever and ever and ever, and I want it to mold me better to get closer to Jesus next week and the next week and the next week and the next year and year after that and year after that. You're buying the truth, and you're making up in your mind. There's nothing in this world Hallelujah. worth selling it for. Felix, Brother Trevor, would say, tomorrow is the paradise of fools and the palace of infidels. Felix would preach that opportunity can be lost. Felix would tell you 
the door to the department store can be forever closed. There will come a time that you will try to be saved and, we, and you will not be able. There's a time, I know, not when. A place, I know, not where. That seals the destiny of men to heaven or despair. There's a line by us not seen that crosses every path a hidden boundary between God's patience and God's wrath. Would you stand to your feet as our singers come right now? Someone once testified Hear me right now. God laid on my heart to try to win one of my relatives to the Lord. I prayed for her time after time. I went to her and pleaded for her. She laughed, scoffed, and rejected. I kept praying for her year after year. Hear me. And then, all of a sudden, as I was praying, Brother Tex, we've had conversation about this. I felt the Lord stop me and say, let it alone. You can reject, and you can reject, and you can reject again and again until God says, let him alone. I've had enough. Do you realize, young person, that you can say no, not verbally, but you can say no in your spirit, in your mind? No, no, no. Until God says, that's it. I submit to you on this Sunday that Felix would preach friend don't trifle with God don't mess around with God God is a God of patience let me assure you I know that personally but his patience comes to an end God loves you as you could never imagine God gave his only begotten son to die for you and for me. God wants you, sir and ma'am, to reconcile with him, and you can. He wants you to share all eternity with him. Felix would declare to you and preach to you and me, he'd say, friends, if there was one Share, shed of desire in you to be saved. If you feel any kind of tug of the Holy Ghost, if you feel any ounce or molecule, if you will, of conviction within you, I beg you to go to the altar today. 
Lay down on your face today. Don't care about what pastor says. Don't care about what friends say. Don't care about what your loved ones are going to talk about you about. Don't worry about any of that. Go to the altar and lay on your face and say, God, I refuse to be lost. I refuse to go to hell. I don't want to have anything to do with hell. Don't save it till another time. He'd scream from the bottom of his bottom of his throat, the bottom of his toes, and he'd say, Don't wait till tomorrow. But Pastor Darren would say this. What are you waiting for? The longer you wait, the more you gamble. And as I said, it's not something from Las Vegas. It's not something reserved rather only for Las Vegas. The house, in this case, which is the adversary, which is hell. If you gamble with God, if you gamble with your eternity, the house will always win. Would you close your eyes and lift your hands all across the building? Come on, lift your hands all across the building. Come on, Felix is telling you, don't wait too long. Pastor Darren is looking at you right now saying, don't wait too long. I'll believe that there's one God one day. I'll get baptized in Jesus' name one day. I'll, I'll go trouble the waters one day. I'll do it one day. But you know as well as I do, and this is not a scare tactic by any means, but you are not promised tomorrow. Life is but a favor. Here today, gone tomorrow. The door is still open as long as it is you have an opportunity to get in. Will you listen? Will you listen to these individuals that scream from hell right now? And I had you read the words. I had you open your Bible that you would see them and you would know the situation that you may hear the words that I pen, the words that I type that what they could say and what they probably would say if they had you as an audience from hell they would preach and they would say will you listen will you listen to me as I'm preaching as I'm burning and tumbling as I'm in a place where the flame dieth not would you hear me there's no more serious message that could be delivered and there's no more truthful word that could ever be preached or delivered than these individuals that are saying things to us from hell today what does hell have to say and my question to you is will you listen you have an opportunity would you come to this altar right now come on young person there's some of you I know you need to repent listen to your pastor right now you don't have to you don't have to listen to me but I'm telling you you need to repent there's some dads you need to repent mama you need to quit worrying about anybody else and everybody else and you need to kneel down at this altar and say, God, let me submit to you. Let me submit to your word and your will. Let me do what you want to do. I can scream and holler all day long. I'll come back and preach again in a week or two. But I'm going to tell you something. Now is the time. Felix is telling you now is the time. Judas is telling you, don't, 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 don't let this world...